Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. Well, I am your running host, Dean Thompson. You know, we talk a lot about community, you know, the Run for God community and our church community. And today we're going to discuss a story that is focused on community. And then I'm going to share a story about calluses. And you might be surprised where we need to get more calluses and joining me for those stories and so much more. Once again, it is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. How's your week been, Dean? Well, except for the past 30 minutes. Yeah, well, you know, it's been one of the, I don't know, for the last few weeks, God's really working on my patience. Yeah. But you notice I didn't, I didn't. We, you we, didn't. We, I mean, we, just, we had some te- technical difficulties the past 30 minutes trying to get this podcast to start recording. And you did. You you handled it way better than, than I thought you were going to. God's working on me. He's working <laughs> on me. Uh, we had a good, uh, good meet, uh, too, region cross-country meet yeah. this past week. Yeah. Um, Both the guys and girls did really well. Yeah, yeah, we were we we were worried about a month and a half ago. We were worried they might not even make it to the state meet. They have to finish in the top four in the region, right. and I think there's nine teams in the region, ten something like that. And um, we were worried. And they finished both finished second. Yeah, so they did really well. Yeah, I didn't get to hang around after uh, like I usually do. I had to get back for a meeting, but um, yeah, they both ran really well. Was there only- any surprises? From from the guys or the girls, was there, was as far there any as standout surprises, as far as I'm concerned, no. Yeah, I, I think it kind of played out the way I hoped it would. Yeah. I guess, and I knew there were a couple of guys who kind of stepped up, but I I thought they were ready to step up. Right. Same thing on the girls' side, Karen. Uh, yeah. We've talked about Karen on here before, and I had told Karen, I said, Karen, here's what you got to do. You got to stick with their number five. And so during the during the brace, I pointed out who she needed to hang with, and boy, she worked her tail off, really, just to to stay there and yeah. not let go. And it's she fun being, to watch a plan come together like that. It is, it is, and it's fun. One of the the coach for the team that finished third um, said, "Boy, you guys just came out of nowhere the last few weeks." Yeah. I'm like, well, that's good to hear. Not exactly nowhere, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is good to hear for sure. Hey, before we get going, let's talk about this week's sponsor. Uh, and this week it is Jess Burgess Framing Company with the housing market at a recent high. Having a reliable framing crew is essential. Someone who is honest, does what they say they will do, and someone who can get the job done with excellence. Jess Burgess Framing Company has all these qualities, so if you're a developer or a contractor in the Dalton-Whitfield County area, give Jess a call for the best framing around. And boy, that's just, um, that's the truth. You know, nowadays, if you do what you say you're going to do, you're honest, and you show up on time, you stand out. You do. And uh, Jess is that way. Jess is a great guy. I'll be seeing Jess later on this afternoon. But uh, thanks to Jeff. Thanks to all of our sponsors because we simply can't do what we do without them. Amen. Amen. Our Facebook post from last week is really, really simple. It comes from Jim Stimson. If you're on the Facebook page, you know who Jim Stimson is. He's out there at Lake Havasu, Arizona. Yeah. And he said this, easy run this morning on tired legs. Good kind of tired legs after yesterday's track workout. Uh, I thought it'd be good to talk about 
what this means. If you don't already know, if you're not a seasoned runner and mm-hmm. you don't understand what it means to feel good about running on tired legs, um, it's kind of a, a good kind of sore. I've heard you, t- you call it before. Yeah. Um, what do you mean by that? I, you know, my wife, she kind of makes fun of me sometimes because I'm a, I, I'm not a pain junkie, but I like this kind of sort. I like the soreness the next day where it's a little hard to get out of the bed. It's not like injury, like it's not that kind of hurt, but it's, you know for darn sure when you roll out of the bed that you did something yesterday. And I like that. I yeah. don't, I don't know why I like that, but I do. I like, it's a satisfaction, I yeah. guess, of, of accomplishment mm-hmm. and in your body's it's kind of your body's saying well done you know take it easy a little bit i don't know i've kind of i've kind of always liked that feeling well it makes you realize you you did like you said it you makes did you it realize right. you did something you yeah. did it right and it feels good and to and and i get that completely the other side of that sometimes is have you ever done you've done a workout where you feel like gosh i just didn't get enough into that and i didn't get anything out and then the next day you're really sore and you your realize, body says yeah you did i got more yeah. out of that than i yeah. thought i did yeah so that's always a good thing too um and if you ever want, if you're out there and you're new to running and you're wondering, when does the soreness go away? Mm. Well, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's, there's always some sore. Now, it's different kind of sore. I mean, like you said, when you first start running, that soreness is different mm-hmm. than the sore of being able to get in a really good workout. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a much Yeah, and it's sore. important for us to point out, you know, for anybody new out there, a lot of times new runners new walkers who who are walking any kind of distance they will mistake soreness for pain and injury they just they know that they felt something they've never felt before and and for them it throws up the the alarm bells and says stop well there's a difference between pain and soreness yeah you know i always kind of say and and i'm i'm not diagnosing anything here i'm not a doctor <laughs> so if you're worried about something go go see a doctor but i've always said if you can put your finger on it then that's a good sign that you probably need to pause or go see somebody. But if it's just that dull, aching soreness, that's a good thing. Yeah. Now, if you're if if it's a dull, aching soreness, it's probably not the day to go out and do another workout. Right. But it is. It does. It shouldn't stop you from running because many times, if you go out and get a, a an easy run in a shakeout run or walk, it'll actually help that. It'll make it be not as throbbing as it may be you kind of flush some of those toxins as we like to call them or whatever out you kind of get loosened up and it actually help that's by right. getting a sh- that's why we call it a shakeout run or a yep. shakeout walk yep very true very true now you can rest the sore away so mm-hmm. when you got a, a big race coming up you're gonna you're gonna do less intense work shorter and sure. you're gonna rest a little bit and your body can get you can get your body to the point where the soreness does go away so when i say it doesn't go away i don't mean every day uh, but you're always going to have those those times when you're sore and that is a good thing yeah our trivia question from last week is it true that the more you run, the better your immune system works? You knew the answer to this question, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of a trick question. When you run or walk, you make all the functions of your body function better. Sure. So obviously your immune system is a function of your body. So as you pick up running or walking, you, you, will, you will have a stronger immune system. Mm-hmm. It's just a fact up until a point. 
And at some point in time, a lot of the studies show that your body begins to break down your immune system if you run a ton of miles. Now, when I say a ton of miles, the the most conservative studies I found say 45 to 60 miles a week. It takes just to get to that point where the immune system even just begins yeah. to break down. So that that's the the answer to the question is Yes, it helps your immune system, but at, a, at some point it may or may not. Because here's the thing that I, I, I can't help but think about. You look at all those professional runners who run over 100 miles a week. They don't have problems being sick all the time. Right. You know, so it makes me wonder. Yeah, there's probably there may be a little bit of a breakdown, but it's not a lot. It can't be a lot. Otherwise, those people would be sick all the time. Well, I think, and this is probably the not not the right wording to say but i feel like running physical exercise makes your immune system more efficient and it, it you know your body only has so many resources to do so many things so if it's if you're a brand new runner and you go out and you try to start running extremely large amounts of volume your body's in your body's working overtime just to get you recovered yeah and but for for runners who run you know, week in and week out, 80 miles a week, well, their body has become very efficient, not only at the recovery process, but also with the immune system. It, it kind of, I don't know if that makes sense, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I see what their, you're saying. Their body is not putting as much focus on recovery, and therefore the immune system can kind of kick into overdrive. That is not scientific, but that's the way I say it. We talk about the matches. Yeah. You know, sometimes your body only has so many matches to do certain things, and I think... You know, if it's trying to, if it's working overtime to get you recovered, then it has less time for the immune system to be working efficiently. But when you, when you've been running 60 miles a week for five years, your body becomes very efficient at both. Yeah. And therefore you're just an overall healthier person, but it's, it's kind of a bell curve. It, it, it takes a while to get to that point, which is why we don't start running 60 miles a week. Right when you first start running, it's a it's a process. Well, that and we don't want to kill anybody. Right, exactly. But that too, Dean. <laughs> the the, uh, the important thing to realize here, though, is that the benefits outweigh the negatives by a long shot. Right. So um, so don't don't worry that you're going to break your immune system down and everything's going to you know you're you're going to destroy your body because no, you're doing your body way more good than you're doing bad for yeah, sure for sure. Upward Sports equips churches to run self-sustaining sports ministries in their communities. Whether you're a sports fanatic or on staff at a church, Upward Sports will give you all the tools you need to run a first-class sports ministry that allows you to reach families in your community. Upward Sports offers basketball, soccer, flag football, cheerleading, volleyball, baseball, and softball through league and camp offerings. At Upward Sports, we want to help your church make a difference and give you increased opportunities to share the gospel. Learn more today at Upward.org. That's Upward.org. All right, we're back. And as always, we could use your stories, you know. Dude. I know we were talking about this actually in church yesterday. Our associate pastor had the sermon, and he was talking about our stories and how we need to share our testimonies. 
And um, and I thought I couldn't help but think about this podcast and sure. run for God in general and how we talk about our testimony. And, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where I get why you never get around to putting things in writing because it's hard. It takes time. It's, you know, time is not something we usually have a lot of extra of. But I promise you, if you'll do it, you will find some benefit in just writing down your thoughts and putting your story uh, pen to paper. So if you haven't submitted your story yet, please do so. And we've got several that, that have shared their stories for second, third, in Rhonda's case, 12th time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, if you've got things to say and, and ways to say it and you want to do it, then, then we'll send say them on your too. behalf. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We love it. Love to hear the story. Or they can hop in the car and come right here to Cahutta, Georgia and say them themselves, as we which have is had. even better. Yeah. 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 We've had several do that. Well, how about this topic? You know, we've seen several sixth-year runners in in college running over the last couple of years because of COVID. You know, a lot of what they did was they got an extra year of eligibility because of COVID, and it it seems a shame for those runners who were just coming out of high school because it seems like they got a little shafted a little bit. Um, but it's making cross country teams better, I think, mm-hmm. probably because they've got these veteran runners yeah. that are running for them. Um, but it it seems crazy for people to for so many people to get five years. You know, one of the uh, athletes that that I coached at Dalton State, she transferred to another school and and ran a fifth year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's great. But somebody else could have gotten that scholarship money that yeah. she ultimately wound up having. So what do you think the rules should be for NCAA athletes competing in cross country and track? Well, you know, I kind of I kind of raised this concern back when COVID was happening because and it wasn't it wasn't the eligibility factor. It was what are they going to do with records and, you know, mm-hmm. all time rushing yards for a collegiate player well that's always been four years well now it could be five or six years so i don't know i've just always kind of thought ever since this started happening as far as the statistics and things like that they need to take the first four years yeah and if a player is there for a fifth or sixth year they shouldn't count those with regards to statistics that makes sense um because that is the years that they would have played yeah anyhow but then it kind of becomes more complex because in 2020, 2021, some teams didn't get a full season in. Yeah. You know, because things shut down, they opened back up and they shut down and yeah. games didn't know if they were going to be played. So I don't know how they're going to rectify that going yeah. forward. But as far as the the fifth and sixth year athletes, I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, yeah. Lane was almost one of those that got caught in that yeah. net of people that could have lost their scholarship. He was graduating high school, and luckily he he was the the level of runner that he was, and he he kept that scholarship. But I know a young lady um, that was going to school on a softball scholarship, and she lost a good portion of her scholarship dollars. But for that very reason, yeah. they were trying to keep that um, that standout who was twenty twenty one years old. Yep, and they got had more eligibility, so the you know, we talked about this way back when it happened. Yeah. You know, that coaches were put in some predicaments. I think you even kind of fell into that at the time. You were yeah. having to weigh, you know, those seniors versus the outgoing seniors right. in college. And I don't know, it was just a strange time. And I don't I don't know that anybody's gonna have the right answer. Yeah. yeah. The the statistics is the one that 
I don't know how they're going to do that. Yeah, I don't know about that. But, you know, right now the way that it works is you have 10, 10 full-time semesters of college to get in four seasons of eligibility. So that's why you see some, the, the six-year folks, it's not just one year. They're getting another additional year, and the reason they've done that is because of the, the, all this the eligibility and COVID, but also because you can spread that out. Um, to some degree, because it's 10 full-time semesters. So if I go part-time one semester, then that semester doesn't count against my eligibility. And mm. so it kind of kind of lengthens things out. But there's some people who think there should be an age limit. Like when you hit 24, you know, there should be nobody 24 years <laughs> old that should be. Yeah. But, you know, in the NAIA, that's one of the things about the NAIA that's different is that you can you could not have ever gone to college in NAIA. Come back to college when you're 35 yeah. And compete in NAIA sports, yeah. which is interesting because if you have done that, and I think that's kind of fascinating when people yeah. do that. I think that's cool. I think we ought to have that option, yeah. personally. But <laughs> well, all right. This week's story um, comes from Rebecca Taylor, and it's about community. It is called the role of community. Running isn't really known as a team sport. I first started running because I was utterly dreadful of any sport involving large amounts of coordination. Shoot the ball through a hoop? (laughs) Not really. Put one foot in front of the other? I can handle that. The individual nature of the sport, the concept of going at my own pace and striving for personal goals is one of the things that first attracted me to running. I had been running for about 10 years and completed races ranging from one mile to the half marathon distance when Run for God first popped up on my radar. I tossed the idea out to a friend at church, and it took off from there. We decided to host a Run for God class at our church with my friend and I as co-leaders. The initial response was amazing. I could not believe the number of people who were interested in attempting a 5K race. We had over 50 individuals come out for the first meeting and group run. I admit that I had concerns. I had participated in training groups before, but this was my first experience leading one. As the class progressed, we had many people drop out due to injuries, recoveries, and sicknesses that could not catch up in their training, and some simply decided that the program wasn't for them. The group that remained, however, shared something special. They didn't try to go it alone. They learned how to rely on the encouragement and support of the group to push through the difficult times. They resolved to do their best, even if that meant walking on race day. We set up a Facebook group for our class and members posted their workouts, asking training questions and connected to the class even when they could not make meetings. It provided a forum for positive feedback on progress and helped members know they were not alone as they squeezed in windy, cold or soggy workouts during the week. It also gave members some accountability for keeping up with their training. Over and over, class members mentioned how much easier it was to run together than it was to go solo. Many members started searching for running buddies. Over the course of the 12-week program, it was amazing to see what people could overcome. Individuals who struggled through the first 60-second runs were running three miles straight by week nine. Individuals who never saw themselves as runners began running under under nine-minute pace and were looking at future races before we even finished the program. Individuals who caught the flu or had injuries and missed several weeks of training still came back to finish out the program. 
Many reported weight loss, improved sleep, and a healthier respect for the food they put in their bodies. With our class, the most successful people were the ones who stayed plugged in. They appreciated encouraging words when they received them and passed them along to others when needed. They recognize that even though we all have different time or distance goals, we have the same hurdles to overcome each day. We all need words of encouragement through the lousy day at work, the hectic schedule, or the poor night's rest, all of which can leave our legs feeling dead for an evening run. We are better together. The same applies to our walks with Christ. It is an individual relationship that needs to be pursued with personal discipline, but we need each other to be truly healthy and successful. I can be a runner while logging countless miles alone. I will be a better runner when I am connected to a larger group of people who share my values and push me to strive for higher goals. In the same way, we can be Christians by accepting Jesus as our Savior and then reading His Word on our own, as we should. We are healthier and stronger Christians when we are connected to a larger group of believers who share our values, encourage us, and hold us accountable for how we live our lives. The Bible is clear about the need for fellowship in the church. We are told to meet together, encourage one another, and even confess our sins to one another. Just as it helps motivate us to run when we know we're not alone in the pursuit of a goal, it helps us remain faithful to Christ to know that we are not alone in the battles we fight and the stands we take. Just as hearing about another runner's workout can inspire us to make the time for one of our own, accountability for practicing spiritual disciplines like prayer, scripture memory, and fasting can encourage us to keep opening the word. Just as the encouragement of a friend can help us come back after a running setback, the kind words of a fellow believer can refocus us and help us overcome the spiritual setbacks and challenges we face. And just as being around more experienced runners can help us set our goals higher, being around more mature Christians can keep us aiming for a closer and more vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. In the end, we had over 20 people finish a 5K race at the completion of the program. Everyone who made it to the starting line also made it to the finish line, and each one had an individual story to tell of the challenges he or she faced. Staying connected makes a difference, both in our pursuit of running goals and in the pursuit of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, that's a great story, Rebecca. I mean, this just this just embodies everything that run for God is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and as she points out, it embodies everything our church should be. Yeah. Um, you know, we we've been talking. It seems like it seems like ever since April, since the the event we had here in Dalton, ever since then, the hot word is community. Yeah. You know, I was in a two and a half hour marketing meeting last Wednesday with a marketing firm that's helping us for the stuff this fall. And and that word came up no less than fifty times. Yeah, the word community, and mm -hmm. that's that's what um, you know you see you see the quotes that uh, we're more connected now than we've ever been, yet we're more isolated than we've ever been. We're more yeah. connected in the fact that we feel like we have these online communities, but we really don't know those people. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think the Run for God. Facebook group is a little different because we do have those times we all get together and, and people get to meet each other. 
But this is why I'm so excited about the the church model coming back next year uh, with the new uh, upward merger because that that is where the magic happens. I mean, Absolutely. no doubt about it. We've we've come pretty close with the run club model mm-hmm. and having the meetups and times for people to get together. I think um, there's a bunch meeting up at the the Mayberry Half Marathon coming up. Yeah, um, and that's incredible. But that that should not take the place of your local community, your local home church. I can't. I say this all the time because I think it's it's so many people nowadays don't see the value in their church. You yeah. hear things like, "Well, there's a bunch of hypocrites there." Yeah, you're right. And you're you know, one of them. There's a bunch of backbiting <laughs> and fighting, and yeah, they're humans. Mm-hmm. But just like I don't get along with my family perfectly every day, but that don't mean I leave my family. That's right. You know, yeah. so I just I love this story because it just really drills in on community both in run for god our our in our home church because it's so important yeah she's focusing on the positive aspects of all of that and um yeah and i would say to those out there who maybe you don't get involved in the community the online community um maybe you do stalk it and you watch what's going on but uh, you know if you're struggling don't be afraid to speak up and say, I, I'm struggling in this area because you'll get some encouragement. And man, those are, I don't know how many times, you know, I've had situations where I've been struggling with something and somebody just says a word or two and mm-hmm. it just makes a huge, huge difference. Sure. So don't be afraid to reach out. Hebrews 10, 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. You know, we, we, we always talk about we like to book in these things and read before and after. And if you back up to verse 24, it says, and it tells us to consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And mm. I, I like how it uses the the phrase stir up. It indicates that these things don't come naturally. Yeah. Um, we, we have to, we have to build one another up. We mm. have to, I have to encourage you to, to love and do good works. And you do the same for me. And, and that's where, you know, should we be going out into the the world, and I'm putting that in air quotes, and and telling others about Christ? Yes, but you can't you can't stay there all the time. Mm-hmm. You have to have a body of believers that you come back to to kind of fill up that spiritual tank, um, because otherwise, you go out into the world, and if you stay out there, you're going to become the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important for us to always get plugged back in to our church, to our community, to our run for God community. Because let's let's face it, if you if you're a if you're a runner and you're plugged into the run for God community and you start to drift away from that community, what's it going to do to your running? There's a very good chance it's going to hurt your running. Yeah. And it's the same way with our walk with Christ. Our we're we're walking close with Christ and we're doing that with a community of believers. And if you start to step away from that community chances are it's going to affect your walk with Christ. Now, that's not saying that's a hard and fast rule, but as a general rule of thumb, yeah, that is true. That is true. You know, the other side of that, too, is this, is that if you're a Christian and you're not attending church, you're missing out on an important part of the blessings that God has for you because there are certainly blessings there. You know, our Sunday school class, I sent you a picture um, yesterday or day before yesterday of a book. Our, our Sunday school class is doing the gospel according to Andy. 
as in Andy Griffith. I didn't know what that was. Okay. Yeah. So that was a book that you're – I thought you were at some race somewhere. I didn't know oh, what no, that no, was. No. <laughs> Sorry. That's why I said, whose is that? Yeah. That, yeah, I, it's a book I bought. It's called the it's called the Gospel, the Gospel according, according. And what it does is it goes through every episode for the first two seasons of um, really yes, and has a biblical lesson applied to each one. And I thought I was buying something because Andy Griffith show, you know, it's been around forever. And I thought I was buying something that was old. And right. then I realized it was written in it was just written. I mean, it was just written. Like really, this month it came out. I think. So, that's funny. Yeah. So uh, our Sunday school class the is going to start that. according to Andy. Yeah. But that's um, that community that we have as our, our that small group of Sunday school people. Um, they're so excited about that. Mm-hmm. And if we weren't part of that Sunday school group, we'd miss out on that. Sure. And it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And don't worry. Don't you know, it's not just a one way street either. It's not just about. It's not just about what your church can do for you, but it's about what you can do for your church and that the two go together. It's, well, it's a and, relationship. Our focus needs to be on what can we do for our church. Right. Um, the, the other will come yeah. as a result. But yeah, I mean, we, we, have to, we, have to, we have to go into our church to serve. That's what we're called to do. I recently heard about a post that somebody had made. They were looking for a new church. And on this post... They had this list of mm-hmm. things they wanted in their church. I mean, all the way down to the size of the monitors they used uh, for for the displays. And it was just, it was so crazy detailed. And I thought, man, I, I don't, I want that person in my church because they need it, but I don't want that person in my church because I'm afraid but of let's, I mean, up. if we're going to be honest, we may never have went to Facebook with a list but we all fall into that trap sometimes. At some time. And, and, and that's, why, that's why you need people around you who will kind of call you out on that. Yep. You know, to say, hey, you're, you're and that's, that's where that community comes from. When, when I, I think about you and I, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not afraid to point things out to you and you're not afraid to point things out to me. And it's all done in love. It's not mm-hmm. that I'm trying to tear you down. It's I'm trying to build you up. Mm-hmm. And that's where, by and large, that's what church does. Yep. It allows us. Now, are you going to have that person that's just trying to tear people down? Yes. I'm not saying church is perfect, but it's better than the alternative. Yeah. And and that is where we can go and feel safe to share and to to build others up and for them to build us up. And Absolutely. It's important. Absolutely. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. That's what's great about being part of a group, right? When things don't go well, then we build each other up. And when things do go well, man, how much fun is it to mm, celebrate together sure. with somebody else when things go well? I mean, the other day after... I got a great text from uh, from somebody on the cross country team after the 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 meet, and the, the the text was was essentially it was, you know, you were really really tough on us about a month ago, mm-hmm. um, but now we realize first of all that you just wanted the best for us, and second of all, it was for our own good. Sure. Um, that made that celebration that that low spot that we had that we had to go through to get to that celebration made that celebration even that much better. Yeah. That's the way it is in church, right? It is. When we gather together. Um, now, is there going to be, you mentioned the infighting, the conflict, there's always going to be some of that. But you know, 
that's how we get built. That's how we, we get our strongest opinion. You know, I, what I, I can't stand when people try to get a bunch of people that think like them to maybe they got a big project. And so they get a bunch of people that think just like they do to try to figure out how to tackle this project. What's better is if, and that's this is where you and I compliment each other. Cause a lot of times you and I think a lot differently. Yeah. And so I think it's really, really constructive and good for us to have differences. We were talking in our Sunday school class just yesterday about, uh, we were talking about music and we were, everybody was sharing their opinion on different music and things like that. And we, you know, we all settled on, you know, it doesn't matter whether you like the music or not, you can get something out of all of it. Mm -hmm. And what we need to all do is we need to recognize that, um, the fact that somebody else is different and likes something different from us is a good thing mm -hmm. because they're going to expose me to things that I wouldn't be exposed to otherwise. And sure. that's a good thing. Yeah. So embrace that. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he fails, for he has no one to help him up. Hmm. Uh, I, I love those verses just because they're so illustrative. You know, when you think about three strands together and, you know, you, you see, you've all, we've all seen a frayed rope that still works, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's a great picture. Um, but it's tough for me because I'm so, I'm so bad about not wanting to ask for help. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I've got somebody coming to my house. They're at my house right now doing some work I on my house. I just saw them drive by. Did you? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, makes me, it, it, it makes me twitch a little bit right. because I'm like, that's something that I should be able to do myself. So sure. why should I be paying somebody else to do something I should do? You know, and, and I'm so bad about that. So I've got I've to let go. Yeah, you've got you to gotta allow yourself to open up, to be vulnerable. to Because that's, that, you know, if you're just always, you know, I've, I've, I've met people who you can you can tell they want friendship but they won't let you in they're just they're closed up they won't ask for help they won't offer up anything to a conversation but yet they say they they want to be plugged in and you know that's and that that probably comes from sometime in the past them opening up and it biting them um but you you've got to find you've got to have people in your life who you can tell anything to. Yeah. And I mean anything. Yeah. Because the devil wants nothing more than for you to have those things secrets. Yep. And uh, sunshine is the best disinfectant. That's right. And you got, but you got to have people around you who you can tell that to. And I'll never forget somebody telling me one time when you don't enlist other people to help you, <clears throat> you're depriving somebody else of a blessing. Sure. And I think about, you know, at the, our cross country meets, I, I'm the one that I keep the tent in my truck mm -hmm. and chairs and stuff. And I take those to the meets. I set them all up. And then when we're done, I take them back up and I throw them back in my truck for, for the next meet. And I was doing that one day. And my, my thought is, is let, let everybody else have fun. That's just something that I'll do. I'll take care of it. You don't have to worry about it again, thinking I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing something for everybody else. When one of the girls comes over and says, I really like this part, she loves helping with that, mm -hmm. right? And I thought, I never thought about the fact that she liked helping. Right. And, uh, and so I was depriving her because normally I was doing it all myself. So um, we, we, we just got to be careful with our assumptions that 
um, other people don't want to sure. take part in whatever it is you're doing. I was watching a movie recently about a group of people. They they find themselves in these circumstances. They're actually on a plane, and they all they all wake up on this plane, and they they realize nobody knows how they got there, and they start talking with each other. And everybody starts putting their two cents in. This is me and this is what I do. And why would I be here? And, you know, eventually they talk themselves into figuring out what's going on because they all have a different frame of reference and they're all looking at things from a different angle. So important mm-hmm. uh, to be able to do that. Question. What are some of the positive words a fellow runner has shared with you that have helped you overcome discouragement or setback? How can you pass that encouragement along to another runner who may need it? How is this a reflection of Jesus Christ to others? You know, I've had some minor injury issues this year. Um, and, and almost everybody I talk to and I tell them about those issues, you know, they just say something like, oh, you'll be back to full strength really soon. Now I've been dealing with it for a long time, so it's probably not the, tr- not the truth that it's going to happen soon. But it builds. It makes me feel better when they say that. Mm. You know, it makes me think. Yeah, yeah, everything's gonna be fine. It's all gonna be good. You know, so I, I think runners, by nature, because we suffer together, yeah, are really supportive of one another. So it, it's good. Yeah, I was talking to a guy in the. Um, it was in that marketing meeting I was talking about. He's a he's a CrossFit guy. Uh, you remember Super Dave? Yeah, from the, yeah, from yeah, the yeah. Workshop we had together. Yep. And he said, "There's something about." Almost dying with somebody that brings you closer together. And he's talking about CrossFit. You know, he was talking about the early days of CrossFit when it was just, there were people getting hurt right and left and it was a little bit too extreme. And he said, but those were the days where you really made a community. You really built a community yeah. because everybody was almost dying together. And, and, and that's true. There's so much truth in that, that, you know, that's, that's why I think the run for God community is so great because when you do hard things with people, it, it creates a bond that, you know, it's it's not rivaled by many things. Yeah. Um, because I don't know. It's just what, and you know, it's it, she asked, you know, how can you pass on the encouragement to to others? Um, it, it's it's not hard to do that. So the yeah. other day, I went, I, I I I was finished with a run. And I finished my runs a couple hundred meters from my house, and I walk to my house. I've always done that. Um, and as I was walking, I have a neighbor who's out in his yard, and whenever he's out, I usually stop and talk to him. Well, he's been struggling. He mm-hmm. works in an industry where um, it's it's dependent on the housing industry, mm-hmm. and so his business is he he started a new business two or three years ago, and it's just dried up. And he's still trying to build this business. And, of course, that's a terrible time to try to build a business when things mm-hmm. are drying up in an industry. And so he's struggling. But he's always had a pretty good attitude about it. You know, he's always looked positive even when you knew he really wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so all I did was mention to him, you know, man, I'm, I admire how you have stayed positive about this throughout all of the, what's been going on. And he says, well, I haven't always been positive. But then you could see the wheels turning in his head and thinking, yeah. Yeah. You know, you could tell that it, it made him feel good mm-hmm. to hear those words. And it was real simple. It was just in a general conversation as I was walking by. Sure. And, um, it, it's not a hard thing to do. Um, and she asked, how is, how was that a reflection of Jesus? Well, 
I think about what Jesus, you know, when, when he caught the, the woman in adultery, um, you know, that, that was, that was the whole, the whole thing was don't worry about Mm -hmm. where you've been, how bad things have been. Go forward, change your life, do something different. Another question in the story, the case is made that our spiritual walks are both an individual and team effort. In what ways is your spiritual life just between you and God, meaning individual? In what ways does it involve your church or parachurch organizations? In other words, your team. It's, it's funny that she asked this question the way she did because I heard something, and I heard this years ago, and it's always stuck with me. because And it was talking about our testimonies, our stories. You know, We, we talk about stories on here, and it says your testimony, testimony is a very personal thing. But it should not be private. You know, mm. people talk about their story, their testimony. They say, well, that's a very private thing. It shouldn't be. Yeah. God's word is clear. You know, it is a very personal decision. It is a very personal journey, but it should, it should not be private. And so I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is that, you know, we should have those people around. We should have that team around us. Yeah, that we're able to share that very personal experience with our, and that 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 is not just the point in time when you became saved; it's a journey, mm-hmm. and you need to have people around you who you can share that journey with, and they share with you. And like you said, we we don't need to be in an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're just around people who are just like us, that doesn't help us grow. It's when we get around people who think differently than we do. You and I think very differently, mm-hmm. but we both have personal journeys that we're on, but we don't keep that private. Right. And and we're able to to build each other up because of that. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Now you got to be careful here because the the truth is is the most important relationship that you have is the one on one relationship you have with Christ. Mm-hmm. And you got to be careful not to replace sure. that relationship with this this group mentality. So Always, always, you got to keep that first, and we have to nurture. But, but what we're doing, and what happens is, we use those groups, we use that team around us to nurture that one-on-one relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, that encourages that one-on-one relationship. And so, as long as we're doing that, we're okay. You, you know, M- Billy Graham once said something like, "You know, the churches were only going to be half full when mm-hmm. the rapture came, <laughs> because you know, half the people sitting in church are more focused on." Mm-hmm. that thing that goes on where we just get along and we have a social club at church sure. and the other half are focusing on that one-on-one relationship. So make sure that your church isn't your social club. Right. Uh, it has to be the one-on-one relationship. How connected are you to a local body of believers? Are there areas of your spiritual life, prayer, Bible study, accountability, etc., that would benefit from increased involvement in a church? If so, what are some practical steps you can take to get active in ministry? Uh, to answer the last question first, I would say go sit down with your pastor. Yeah, and say where do you need me? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, again, don't don't be that person who comes with a list of things that you want to do and and start looking for places to plug in. Go with arms open and say where do you need me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, what you and I have both talked about, neither one of us 
have a musical or audio technician background, mm-hmm. but we both run sound at our church. Yeah. I mean, I figured it out, but it's not because I had a background and it's not because I went in wanting to do that. It's because I went in and I asked, where do you need me? And, and they needed somebody to help with sound. Yep. And I really enjoy it because it's, it is, it's there again, we, we talk about the echo chamber, but it's not something I do every day. So I have grown to really enjoy it. Yep. And on the weeks that I do sit out in the in the the congregation and I'm not running sound, it's like I'm, I'm if I'm being completely honest, I'm probably critiquing the person that is doing sound. Yeah. It's because I've grown to yeah. love that responsibility yeah. in the church, and I know that it's a small behind the scenes part, but we're we're part of something much bigger than us, and yeah. I think that's where that's where you really get satisfaction. In doing something like that, that you're you're part of something bigger than you, because we live in a world that people drive us to be part of something that's all about us. Yeah. And when you're part of something that's not about you, there's there's magic there. Yeah. And there's two ways to look at that. You know, we got God wants to use us with our wants to use our talents. He wants mm-hmm. us to use our talents, and then and then. And that's important, you know, figure out what, you know, that's what we do in the running community. You know, we, that's, that's our, that's my talent is to try to encourage people who are runners. Um, but there's the other side too. He can take a, you know, a guy who can't hear out of one ear and make him a, <laughs> make him a, a sound Was that engineer. that a shot at me, Dean? Uh, no, I mean, no, it, it's it, true. It, yeah. it says a lot, right? Oh, yeah. that, that God can use. And, and I'm, I just know, I know your church and I know that you would, they wouldn't have you back there if you didn't do a great job at it. Sure. And so, um, yeah, it, it's God can use us to do anything. And it's like you said, it wasn't necessarily something you went in going, I want to do this, mm-hmm. but it's amazing how, when you're serving God, you can learn to love whatever it is you do. Can't sure. you? That's, I think that's true about anything, not just in the church. That's true. Um, that's, that's what a lot of our young people need to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, get a job loving what you do don't go looking for a job for money that's a whole different conversation I don't know yeah, why that popped in my not. head but yeah I mean it's it's true love love what you do and, and God will will bless you for it for sure do you struggle with motivation to exercise are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you The Run For God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it with the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you are participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or any of our other challenges, or you're just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at runforgod.com. All right, well, here's a heartwarming story. This comes from the independent uh, United Kingdom. It, uh, and here's, the, here's a part of the article. It said, a 102-year-old veteran of World War II has become the oldest man to complete a half marathon after finishing the Great North Run. Bill Cooksey, 
who served in the Royal Air Force between 1941 and 1951, covered the 13.1-mile course from Newcastle to South Shields with the aid of a walking companion, Gavin Isaton, in 5 hours and 41 minutes. The centenarian had previously completed 10 miles a day for 10 days for his 100th birthday and cycled 1,000 miles for his 101st birthday and took on the challenge to support the County Durham and Darlington NHS Trust. Not sure what that is, but um, he was doing it for a cause. The Great North Run was hit by torrential downpours after a week of heat in the United Kingdom. Mr. Cooksey, though, managed to survive the conditions to complete his challenge and raise more money for the NHS. Quote, I'm glad I have done it, he said to the Daily Mail. I wish we didn't have to go through all that rain, but we did it. Hmm. 102. Isn't that cool to see people pushing? I I love to see people pushing past their limits. I don't care what it is, when it is, Mm -hmm. who you are. I just love to see somebody just doing something that the world would say, you can't do that. Yeah. And that's kind of what that is. Now, if you're listening to this and you're a 60 year old, <laughs> just think about that. Okay. Cause you're, you're 60 and you're going, ah, there's no way I'm that I can old. run. I'm too old for that. And here's a guy that is literally 40 years older than you doing it. So yeah. what's your excuse, right? <laughs> I've always said, I want to be running when I'm a hundred years old. Um, and this guy is making it happen. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's been a lifetime runner. I wonder if it's something that he picked up later in life, like a lot of the our folks do, or if he's always done it. He makes me think of uh, John Disterdick. Is it yeah. John? Yeah. 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 He's doing all these crazy things, and he's, what, is he in his 80s now? Yeah. 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 Um, he made me think about uh, Wilbur. Wilbur, I can't remember his last name now. He was 102 years old, and he was still doing track races. He wasn't running long distances like this, but he was doing track races. Uh, or was it Or was it Orville? I'm thinking. I think it's Orville. Actually, I got the two. <laughs> um, he was from Texas, and he had written a book. Uh, you remember who I'm he talking about? He was connected to he, somebody I knew. Yeah, and, and we has, reached out to him. Yeah, yeah. He has yeah, since passed away, but yeah, uh, yeah but I, that, that's what made me think because I think he was 102. Yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you ever need inspiration or a little uh, kick in the shorts to the the question or the answer that you typically give, I'm too old for this. I'll never forget when I went to the Masters Track and Field event. Where yeah. were we at? Somewhere in Iowa. Ames, Iowa. Ames, Iowa. And I was blown away. I mean, there were, and I'm going to say it, there were old people everywhere. Yeah. I mean, people yeah. that you look at them and you're thinking, they can't run. And then they get out there and they're pole vaulting and high jumping, <laughs> doing the 100 meter dash. Yeah. I'll never forget the little lady. Uh, her name was Betty. I'll never forget her. Yeah. She was about four foot 10. Yeah. And like 80 something years old or 90 years old. And she had just finished the hundred yard dash, and I thought, "Wow, yeah. I mean, this is crazy." Uh, but it 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 just goes to show that this is a sport that you can do until you take your last breath. And it's uh, there's not many sports you can say that about. You're taking my thunder later now. Am I? But yeah. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> All right. It's a time for Dean's thoughts, and that's a time when I share something I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Well, do you have calluses on your feet when you're running a lot? I have a couple very small spots, but my feet are still pretty tender. And I don't understand why they're so tender. But 
the muscles and tendons and bones, they're tough. This one's called good calluses. Have you ever shaken hands with a bricklayer? If you have, you have probably found hard, calloused hands. If you work with your hands for a living, chances are you have tough, strong, maybe even calloused hands. When you start running or walking, you may notice your feet become tougher the more you do it. Over time, you find your feet are able to handle more abuse and they may even become somewhat calloused. But there is something else that needs to be calloused in your running or or walking journey. When we think about forming a hard shell that can withstand the beating you're going to administer, we think about body parts that need to be made tougher. But have you ever thought about purposefully forming calluses on your mind? If you want to be successful, it can be critical. As a matter of fact, it may even be more important than your feet. How do you get calloused hands or feet? By working hard, right? And what does that mean? It means subjecting yourself to the thing that you're trying to become calloused to. If you want to be able to lay bricks for hours at a time, you'll need to lay enough bricks to callous your hands enough to handle it. If you want to run a 100-mile ultra marathon, you'll need to do enough running that your feet are tough enough to handle it. If you want to be tough enough to push as far as you can go, you need to push your body regularly past the point of being comfortable, for sure. But you also need to subject your mind to repeated bouts of discomfort and purposeful abuse. I've seen many cross-country and track runners who think they can lay back at practice, do the bare minimum, and then turn it on when when race day comes. It doesn't work that way. The athlete will never realize his full potential because he is not training his brain. If that runner doesn't push themselves on those days when it's not easy, They are never going to be able to go deep into the pain cave when race day comes. If you're not a competitive athlete, maybe you think this is not for you, but it is. If you give up and stay home every time you don't feel like going for a run or walk because you're tired, for example, you're missing an opportunity to put some calluses on your mind. Those calluses can help you in many areas of life too, not just in your fitness journey. Maybe you can begin to look at those times when it's hard to fit your workout in as opportunities to train your brain, to put calluses on those tender areas that need toughening up. How could we all change if we could, if we looked at those times as opportunities instead of looking at them with dread? Have you ever seen an athlete psyching himself up by beating his chest or grunting boldly? Wouldn't it be great if we looked at opportunities to work on our mind mind game the same way? The next time you're tempted to skip the run, just beat your chest and resolve that the run is not going to beat you. We can always look back on those times when we conquered the temptation to give up and realize how helpful it was, right? And we can look back at the tough times in our lives and realize that God had plans for those And those plans sometimes included tough things. But those tough things make us better. When we look back on them, we can see it. But what if we began looking at those tough circumstances as opportunities to beat our chest and say, I'm not going to let these circumstances overwhelm me. It could be life changing, quite literally. So the next time you're tempted to give in to weaknesses, Take the opportunity to callous your mind. And the next time you're going through something tough, realize the calluses you're building up are going to benefit you for the rest of your life. Again, Dean, great story. You know, 
it's funny you use the, the the example of a bricklayer. I've always said that brick and block layers are the toughest people on earth. Yeah. They are. I, I know a guy, uh, his name was Dwight D. Eisenhower, funny enough. He was really the, he worked for the brick crew for my dad when I was young. And this guy, he was the guy that mixed the mortar mix and pushed it. It's not the bricklayer so much as it is the guy that's bringing them all the supplies. Yeah. He's the guy that mixed the mortar. He put it in a wheelbarrow and he would push it all around. This wheelbarrow is probably 200 pounds yep. with all that mortar in it. He would shovel the mortar up onto the the um, the platforms where they could scoop it up. So he was scooping mortar over his head. He was lifting eight and twelve inch blocks, probably forty to sixty pounds a piece, up over his head all day long. And this guy, when you looked at him, he looked obese. But I'll never forget when I was a kid, I used to go up and just hit him in the belly. Yeah. It would break your hand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he looked. Like he had, I mean, it was probably a beer belly, uh, knowing that crew at that time, but he was just solid as a rock. And mm -hmm. speaking of shaking his hand, you felt like you were shaking a piece of concrete. Yeah. This guy was, he's not the guy you want to, you want to pop off to. Yeah. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, we need to do this same thing with our mind. Yeah. I mean, it's so important. Well, and after a while, I, I thought about this, calluses and scars look very similar, don't they? I love that statement. So when you when you look at all of those things that you've been through that are tough things that have scarred you, you realize that's a callus, mm -hmm. you know, and that makes you tougher for the next time something happens. And um, I think that's we've talked about a lot of these reframes recently. And I like reframes because what it does is a reframe. I think a lot of people look at, at trying to reframe something as I'm trying to trick my mind mm -hmm. into to thinking a different way. That's not really what you're doing. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get your mind to think it, think about something in the right way. Mm -hmm. And that's different than tricking your mind into just thinking a different way. Sure. You're trying to think in the right way instead. Um, and I think the reason why we look at that as if it's a, as if it's a trick thing is because it's kind of connected to sin. You know, we're all sinners. We're all prone to sin, sin. And we think it's the same with our with our thinking so we have this tendency to think negative right mm -hmm. and so that's what reframes do it tends to we tend to go in a negative direction and we're trying to pull back from that and just like we go to god and we ask him to help us with our sin uh, you know because we we can't help it mm -hmm. we're human we go in that direction we shouldn't go um we we need to force if that's the right word ourselves to overcome our tendency to think negatively and that's what a reframe is mm -hmm. and so that's a lot of, we've talked about a lot of those these last i think maybe these last three or four stories that i've shared have yeah. been kind of the, in that that vein um it's a little bit like smiling <laughs> when you run mm -hmm. you know it just it changes everything yeah. it can change everything well the beauty of calluses as you was reading that i was sitting here feeling my hands the thing about calluses is they don't quickly go away yeah. And so the idea is that if you if you train your brain, I mean, I've got I still have calluses today. My hands are very it's been years since I've used a hammer consistently, um, but the calluses are still there. Huh. And it's it's amazing. And, and I think that holds true. Those tough things that you get your mind callous to, you yeah. know, it's raining and you have the posture of it's not if I'm going to run, it's at what time during this rain and I'm, am I going to run? That 
when you get your mind to thinking like that, when you get your mind callous to uh, not falling into the temptation of taking the easy route, that eventually that will go away if you yeah. don't continue to think that way. But it it's not something that goes away in a week. Yeah, It's something that will stay with you for a long time. But it doesn't stay with you forever. Just like these calluses won't stay with me forever. That's right. I have to... I have to periodically go back and do something hard. I have to pick up that hammer every now and then or or swing something that, that keeps these calluses in place. Otherwise, what happens? What happens with an old callus that you start to test again? You start to tear them. Yep, that's and right. You start to bleed and you start right. and it starts to to do bad things. So yeah, I love I love this parallel that you drew here of of doing hard things both physically but also mentally. It's yeah. important. Yeah, that's why, you know, you and I have had this debate before about, you know, there's a rest and recovery in training. There's this rest and recovery cycle. And consequently, I I have always said, I don't think it's a good idea to go deep into the well too often mm -hmm. in training because it takes longer to recover from it. But I think you've always had a little bit different look on that. And you feel like the more often you can push yourself to the absolute limit, mm -hmm. the better off you are. And I don't know which one of those is right. They both have. Merit. I think I think they're they're right in different forums because yeah. I think the way I've always said it is, you know, talking about some workouts we've done with the kids in the past. We used to call them character builders. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would always say, physically, this is not going to make much sense, but mentally, it's yeah. going to make all the sense in the world. Yeah. Because the the gain that you get from learning to persevere through that hard thing is much greater than the physical setback you may take. Now, in those circumstances, you got to be careful because you're always flirting with the risk of injury in those mm -hmm. moments. Yeah. So I get that. And I don't think we ever pushed that line too far. No. But yeah, I mean, every once in a while, you need to have those character builders. Yeah. When it's pouring down rain outside, mm -hmm. that is a character builder. That is a physical and a character builder. Yeah. But there's some days where you may feel just horrible. And you may still feel horrible at the end of that run, but the benefit that you got from doing it, yeah, it, it can't be measured because yep. you did something hard. It's it's one of those times where you, you get done and you just kind of feel hardcore. Yeah, you know, it was pouring, or it was it was snowing. There was six inches of snow on the ground, and I got out and did that run. Physically, running in six inches of snow probably didn't do you as much good as running in 70 degree dry pavement right but what it did for you in the six inches between your ears it can't be measured that's right would you like to experience the bible in a different way than you've ever done before well you can join me coach dean as i read through the entire bible every day for a full year you don't want to miss hearing this transplanted southern boy try to pronounce those biblical names now, do you? It may be good for a laugh. In addition, I share running and walking tips and some inspirational quotes along the way. Get your daily dose of the Bible from a runner's perspective in the Run for God Run Club Walk Through the Bible. You must be a member of the Run Club to get access. So if you're not a member, join today. If you are a member, just find a Walk Through the Bible under the Nationwide Challenge tab
Every week I share a reason why running and or walking is so awesome. And this is where I said you kind of stole my thunder. Um, this, this week it is the race never ends. You know, in honor of Mr. Cooksey, who ran that half marathon at 102 years old, this is something you can do for your entire life, literally your entire life. Uh, and there are many who they just keep going. Uh, now, we, we may not be as competitive when we're 80 years old, mm-hmm. and we may not be able to push at 80 years old like we did when we were 40 years old or younger, um, but there's no reason we shouldn't keep going. Um, I know it's going to get tougher. You know, for me, it, it is tougher. I'm, I'm 58 now, and, you know, there are runs that are tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just tough, tough to get out there these days. But um, And it's, it's going to get even harder, but you know what? It's totally worth it. Totally worth it. All right. This comes from irunfar.com. I had, this is an an ultra marathoning website and I loved, I never heard of a race like this. I don't know if you have. This is the 2023 Big Dogs Backyard Ultra results. Harvey Lewis wins after 108 hours, 450 miles of running. (laughs) This This is just crazy. Uh, so this is by a lady named Sarah Brady. She said, runners continue to push the boundaries of what's possible in backyard ultra running. And the 2023 big dog backyard ultra was no different. In the end, American Harvey Lewis claimed the title of last person standing after a record breaking 108 hours and 450 miles of running. The race, which acts as the world championships of backyard ultra running, started at 7 a.m. local time on Saturday, October 21st in Bell Buckle, Tennessee. The format sees racers run a 4.1667 mile loop called a yard in backyard ultra running with one with a one hour time limit, after which all finishers within the allotted time are tied for first place and must present on the starting line on the hour to go again. This continues until there is only one runner left standing who must complete a solo yard to be awarded the win. In this particular event, athletes run two routes, a trail loop, which is run during the daylight hours, and a road loop, which is which the race switches over to at night. Remarkably, on Wednesday, October 25th, a total of six runners passed the once seemingly insurmountable barrier of 100 hours. This group included 2021 Big Dogs Backyard Ultra winner Harvey Lewis, uh, former Joint Backyard Ultra World Record holder Mergen Gertz uh, of Belgium, and most recently Backyard Ultra World Record holder Phil Gore of Australia. Over the course of the 101st yard, Gertz was timed out. Gore, along with Japan's uh, Teramuchi Morishida, finished their 100th lap but failed to present themselves on the start of the next hour uh, with the wheel to go again. And then there were three. Still standing after 101 hours were Harvey Lewis, Ihorz Veres, uh, Ukraine and lives in Canada, and Poland's Bartosz Fadali. Boy, these names. With, Gore, with Gore's world record of 102 yards, which he set in June 2023 at the Dead Cow Gully Backyard Ultra in his home country, all each of these three needed to do was finish out the lap to become joint world record holders. After that, the race would go into new and uncertain territory. This this goes on. Race director Gary Cantrell, also known as Laz, 
noted on social media that Harvey Lewis looks to be the most endangered on an immediate basis. He runs the closest to the cutoff and sometimes seems to be struggling. He added, none of that is any different than it was at the beginning of the race. About 50 runners that looked better than Harvey are watching from the sidelines. Uh, so this, this goes on and I, I just think this is an incredible, I'd never heard, have you ever heard of this backyard running? No, but I think it, it's exactly what we just said. This is, this makes no sense yeah. physically, <laughs> but these guys have a calloused brain for sure. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. The guys and ladies. Yeah. I mean, this was, you know, we kicked around the idea of doing something not quite like this, but at the, at the Grove level. Yeah. Park. You know, we have that closed park. It's a one mile loop. You can do one and a half miles. I think it would be cool to do that one day. Something like this. Yeah. Um, I love this format. I've never heard of this format, but it's kind of a last man standing. Yeah. 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 And if you couldn't understand what I, what I was reading there, apparently there's a loop and it's a little over four miles long yeah. and every hour they start a new loop. Yeah. And all you have to do is finish the loop and then start the next one and finish it. And, and every time you finish, it, it's one more yard. Yeah. And this guy did it 108 times. Golly, that's incredible. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't know how you even stay awake for four days. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, I've only done, I've, I've done nothing close to this, but the closest thing I've ever done to this was the Blue Ridge Relay. Yeah. And I've always said, to date, that is the hardest endurance event that I've ever done. And it wasn't because of the amount of mileage. I mean, the amount of mileage was, I think I only ran like 38 miles maybe, but it was staying awake that whole time. That was the hardest part of it because your mind starts playing all kinds of tricks on you. You know, for me, you know, my mind starts playing tricks on me past nine o'clock at night. You know, I'm an early to bed guy. I can't imagine what your mind is doing at 108 hours of not only being awake, but being on your feet. Yep. There, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, uh, they, there's got to be some hallucinating going on. There's got to yeah. be all kinds of things going on when your brain is that deprived of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the question is, I mean, he mentions here that the guy that ultimately won it looked worse than so many other guys, but he just barely made it under the cutoff each time. Mm -hmm. And he just stayed consistent rather than I'm sure some of these other guys, cause it's, it's, what do you do? It's, it's 4.1 miles. Okay. So There's I so much strategy there. Yeah. Yeah. You could run that in, you know, in, in 40 minutes and then have rest time and have 20 minutes. So is it better to do that or is it better to slow it way down? Yeah. Like five minutes of rest. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting. Cause it's thing. a long game. Yeah. Very, it's very interesting. The interesting thing too here though, is that the women, the, the women's side, I think it was 58 or something like that yards that won it. So way, way less than the, mm -hmm. than the men. And you know, if you follow ultra running, you know that women are catching up to men. Sure. You know, women are fairly close to men in ultra running, but not in this event. Yeah. And so I wonder why, the the bigger difference here i wonder if it has something to do with staying awake so long if men's bodies physiologically can can handle staying awake longer or i, I don't know i don't know what it is but mm -hmm. you would think that the women's record would be fairly close to the men's based sure. on other ultra records but um that would be fun to go and watch that i don't know that i would ever want to sign up for that but it would be fun to be there at the finish line at say hour 75 and beyond yeah because i'm sure it's comical to watch yeah. these guys i oh, mean I it's, it's got to be 
I've always wanted to do an ultra marathon. I don't think I'd be a good ultra marathoner, but I've always wanted to do one just because I want to, you know, you just want to check it off a list. Right. Um, so one of these days I'll do that. And maybe next year, you know, I, I think you would be good at coaching, it. but I, I'd like to try it and yeah. just see uh, my, my, th- my problem is, and probably after a cut, co- take me a couple to get it right. Probably because my problem is going to be discipline up front and going slow enough. Cause I just don't do well with that. You wondering what I'm laughing at? Yeah, uh, you know, I everybody know or many people may not know, but I sit and I look out the window when I'm looking at you. I'm looking yeah. out the window in downtown Cahutta. Only in Cahutta do you see a pickup truck drive by with a dog kennel in the back and a goat in the dog kennel. <laughs> <laughs> Only Good in Cahutta. Old. I love this place. Anyway, I Good old Cahutta. Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe we'll have to we'll have to come up with a similar event at Grove Level. Yeah. Maybe we do the one mile loop, and you we start a new one mile loop every twenty minutes or something. Yeah. That that would be fun. Just see how many, how long we can keep going. That'd be fun. It would. Yeah. That would be fun. Yeah. Would you do it? I'd do it. I'd totally do it. So yes. I'll direct it, and you do it. I would a hundred percent do it. That would be crazy fun. Because there's not it. enough time to sleep. Right. Yeah. And that that would even makes it more interesting because you're not talking about forty minutes to an hour or twenty minutes to zero rest. In in this instance, you're talking about, you know, do you take ten minutes of rest or one minute of rest in between each mile? To yeah. me, that would be even harder. Yeah, I think I don't know yeah. which one do you think would be harder: one mile loops every twenty minutes or four mile loops every hour. Which would be harder? I would think the four mile loops would be harder just because it's, I don't know. I see you what you're saying. You have the opportunity for more rest. You do. You do. Although I don't think there's as much time to play with. You know, because you, you're not going to run faster than 10 minute pace. So at best, you're going to have, you're going to run for 45 minutes. You're going to have 15 minutes of rest, right? On the, with a mile, I mean, you could run a seven minute mile and get 13 minutes. You could have more rest than you had running time run a 10 minute rest and you get 10 minutes or, you know, I mean a 10 minute mile, you still have 10 minutes of rest. So, so uh, maybe you said it and I didn't, I didn't know it. I didn't hear it. What, what was the cutoff for this four miles? Is it just so long as you're back before yeah. the next one starts? So yeah. if that's it. Y- okay. Yeah. That's it. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, well, I, maybe we have to do the mile and a half every 10 minutes. I mean, I mean every 20 minutes for it to be equal. Or maybe we do it every 15 minutes. That would make it even harder. But it would make it fun. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Because you could could not, you could by far not be the fastest person. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's all a mental game. It probably wouldn't be the fastest person. It would be that person who can handle it mentally. Yeah. 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 Hmm. All right. Well, how about a trivia question for this week? In honor of this incredible feat of ultra running, let's ask this question. What is the world record for the 100-mile distance? And if you know the answer to that, or you've Googled it and looked it up, and you did it quicker than anybody else, you can send that to dean at runforgod.com and be the first person to answer that question. And if you are, and you are correct, then you will win $20 off in the Run For God store. So get on it. All right, let me leave you with this motivational thought of the week. It comes from David Goggins. I love David Goggins. Um, He's a Navy SEAL, crazy guy. Um, be careful if you do anything with David Goggins or listen to David Goggins. He does use some foul language, but man, he is to the point. He says, don't stop when you're tired. 
stop when you're done. I love that quote. I do too. You know, we've got a kid on the cross country team that he says that all the time in the middle of workouts where he's, he's kind of suffering. And um, he says, we don't stop until we're done. <laughs> you know, I, I like that. I like that kind of attitude. Get to the finish line. Then you can stop. Right. And you'll feel so much better knowing sure. you did it. If you, if you do make it to the finish line. So great stuff. All right. We're 189 episodes into the Run for God Run Club podcast now. We're approaching 200 episodes. Mm -hmm. My goodness, that's crazy, right? It is. And it's all been a lot of fun. And we couldn't do it if it weren't for the people who are out there listening right now. So thank you so much for listening. We appreciate the fact that you're interested in listening to a couple old guys just kind of banter back and forth about running and, and talking about Jesus. So thank you for making it uh, worth it, our time to get up here and do this. And until next week, may God bless every step of every run and or walk. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.